just said that the screen talks about the domestic, I realized there's another reason that we three painters make a good show, because I had been thinking about light and nature, but there's also the domestic, because a lot of Michelle's plant inspiration for her work comes from her domestic garden. And mine are, a lot of mine are interiors, kitchens and things. So the domestic is the reason they have such a good conversation with each other, these works. Hello and welcome to the E17 Art Trail podcast series. Now in its 17th year, the E17 Art Trail will run from the 1st to the 18th of July. It's a creative festival showcasing the abundant creativity of Walthamstow's multicultural artistic community and is curated by the fabulous Artillery Massive. This year's theme is Possible Futures and we look forward to definitely chatting with some of the trail's participants. Mother Teresa and I'm today here at Black Horse Lane Studios with three amazing artists. I've got Julie Caves, Michelle Fletcher and Diane Chapelli and they're all fine artists, all painters and we're here to find out a bit more about the exhibition that's going to take place at the Winds Gallery in Lloyd Park. Actually it's from the 16th of July isn't it yes. to the 18th? Yes, the last three days of the trail. So this is Julie. Julie, you are part of a collective. Can you tell us a bit more about the, the collective that's here, the three of you together? We have shown together before, one time, and um, I just thought that for the show at Winds in the summertime, the things that we're all interested in with nature and light, that it would make a really amazing show, and I think it's going to be great. Well, I'm lucky enough to be sitting here actually being surrounded by it, and we can see a four-part screen with some very nature-inspired work, but I'm not the expert on this. It's What I love about the art trail is the ability that you have when you're walking into different studios to chat to the artists themselves, which is a unique opportunity that you probably wouldn't get at any other time unless you just happened serendipitously to just bump into someone in the street and they would talk about it and take you back to their house and show you, which is really quite unlikely. <laughs> so, Diane, can you tell us a little bit about your work and your motivations, please. Yes, of course. So this is the folded screen I'm going to show uh, at Wynn's Gallery, and I'm really excited to show that that piece because this was exhibited, <coughs> it was a central piece of a solo exhibition that had to close uh, because of the first lockdown and to be able to reopen with that piece is sort of meaningful. Uh, and it's, close, it's called Behind Closed Doors. So I guess the meaning of it also changed uh, during lockdown and what it meant for people to be actually behind closed doors. So what we can see, it's a, it's a forest, it's an imaginary forest and the trees are very close together and almost act as a sort of a barrier and you have sort of flowers peeking out of it. And it's um, about, you know, what, what is behind, what can we not see and how, how do we experience and access nature and sort of a reflection on our own limitation. And I'm really excited to, to showing it at Wynn's Gallery because I was thinking a lot about the art and craft movement and William Morris and 
that it's going to be near the William Morris Gallery in Lloyd's Park is very like meaningful for me. So I'm, I'm really excited. It is actually metaphorical in a way to look at this for me, to think about this, um, the lockdown and then this being the screen with the hinges where you would literally have had to fold it up and take it away. Yes, yes, and it is like a very much a metaphor of my of my process um, because I think painting for me is a search and it's about what it reveals to you and how much do you hide, how much do you say. So it's sort of a metaphor of my of my practice and and yeah, it does refer to the domestic and how we can go behind it and hide and uh, yeah, those notions really. Yeah, it really is beautiful. And I, I can just imagine it sitting in the Wynn's Gallery and being a, a bit of a showstopper there. So I was wondering, because I've had a little sneak peek at a few other things, and I see that you've been getting involved in other aspects of art that you've not normally dipped into um, with ceramic and, and clay. Yes, so I started ceramic quite recently, and that was always a desire for me to, to, to use the symbols in my painting in a sculptural form. And I guess lockdown gave us a lot of time to think, so I like jumped in and did the class and now I signed up at Turning Earth to, to do ceramic on the side. So I spent like three days painting, two days doing ceramics. And it's very, it's an amazing process for me because I think within painting, there's always a way back, especially oil paint, how I use. But with ceramic, once you've done the form and the first fire, it's sort of, a set process, so it's sort of a bit more light-hearted for me. And obviously, I'm I'm a bit naive about ceramics, so it's it's really fun, and I'm really excited, and I'm planning to do a whole installation with, um, yeah, sort of symbols. It's like the symbols in my painting becoming uh, objects in the real mm. world, and I'm yeah, I'm really excited about that. Julie was just pointing this out, and as I was looking at the ceramics, and you have the ceramics just beneath your um, a few of your your pictures and your paintings, and you can see that they've just leapt out. Yes, 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 yes. They're sort of crawling around like little creatures. Yes, yes. They're very yeah, animated. I think everything I paint, I see them, although there are no figures, or sometimes there's presence or shadows, they are very much uh, sort of animated flowers or animated trees, like giving life to to nature, really. Mm, and there's some depth in, in the dark and the shadows and plenty of things to look behind as you're looking at the screen to look into and look into what's behind the trees and that imagining I think this is a really lovely theme actually for the art trail this year to have that idea of possible futures especially after the time that we've had which brings me to the question I'm going to ask Julie um, what does the theme of possible futures possibly mean to you? The title of our show might coincide with the easing of lockdown. It's like a bright, I guess it's a bright future. I guess it's about a break in the clouds is a phrase that people use both literally, it's been a cloudy day and now there's a ray of sunshine across your picnic or whatever, but it's also um, when you're finally seeing hope or something. And I guess break in the clouds is almost always sort of looking at the now and the future. It's not the past. So Julie, in terms of the pandemic, how has that possibly influenced your future in terms of the way you perceive how your art's going to go, how you've been working differently? I was really fortunate last March when lockdown was being rumoured it was about to happen in March 2020. We were staying inside, but you could go outside if you didn't get on public transport. And so we slowly, using bicycles, started moving the essential things from my studio here to my flat. 
and I set up a studio in my lounge for like four months and I painted every day. I didn't have to travel, I could paint whenever I wanted and I got a lot of painting done at the beginning of lockdown. And then slowly started coming back here and so I was painting part there, part here and then slowly <coughs> moved everything back here. But I was really lucky that me and my partner were both able to work from home. We, we worked remotely for our day jobs and I painted even more than usual. I'm interested in the domestic, so that worked really well for me, that I was able to paint plants and windows and light and the lounge and the kitchen and things. Living the dream. Yes, it, was, <laughs> it worked really well. And when Deanne just said that the screen talks about the domestic, I realized there's another reason that we three painters make a good show, because I had been thinking about light and nature, but there's also the domestic, because a lot of Michelle's plant inspiration for her work comes from her domestic garden. And mine are, a lot of mine are interiors, kitchens and things. So the domestic is the reason they have such a good conversation with each other, these works. That's a really good way of putting it. They are having a conversation with each other, just as we are in this room right now. To look at them, you can see that there's a connection between, well, the themes. I am looking right now at Michelle Fletcher's work and it's positioned on a very beautifully, it's all shabby chic, Ikea step. <laughs> so, um, Michelle, could you explain a little bit about your work, please? So, my studio is in my garden and that influences what I do. I don't work directly from observation, but they're more like a feeling or a sensation and quite often process-led. I lay out my palette and then that dictates how the painting evolves. The little red one was made in the summer last year. It's called The Pleasure of Foxes. And there were, we had a roof done outside our flat and the builders would leave their rubbish outside my bedroom window. And every night the foxes would come and go through the lunch pickings. So that's where that one came from. The top one I made in the winter and it's called Apricity and it's about winter light. And the bottom one was made this spring and it's called Fold and it's about tulips and the tulip petals. So there's not a whole bunch of complex meaning behind the work. But there's story and I think I this is, all is a narrative. The seasons. You've mentioned two seasons here. So if you've got tulips, it's spring and you've got did you actually paint it during those times? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This was the top one was painted just before the winter solstice with the darkening days. It really is. It's very, very beautiful and there's very fine detail as well as quite broad brush strokes in there. Are you influenced by any painters when you were doing your studying? I'm influenced by a lot of painters. I mean, currently, probably you wouldn't see the connection between my work and theirs, but Coro, his studies, um, recently I went to see Jennifer Packer and the immediacy of her surface and her paintings are amazing. You could probably even see a little bit of pre-Raphaelite influence mm. in there. What 
say to anyone really here, any children, anyone that's thinking about picking up a paintbrush or even doing some drawing and they say, oh, I don't think I'm going to be very good. Where did you get this feeling of confidence that being an artist was something you wanted to pursue and and it's taken you here? Go on, Diane. I think it's something you need to love doing. And if you enjoy just doodling, sketching or you know, from your imagination or drawing from life, if you enjoy it and you want to do it more and you want to try to maybe do a canvas piece, or then then you should do it. Like, if you like it, because it's it's really, it's a drive that's within you and each work you make is going to lead you to the next one. It's not about having a grand idea, it's just about the process of making mm. it. And if you're enjoying that, then you're already mm. winning, I think. But why do, you, why do you paint what you paint? Because I think I have so many feelings and so many things I'm, I want to say. Mm. And the only way I can really say it without literally saying it is through painting. Because painting offers you multiple answers. And, and I think all our work also something that links them is that there's no clear narrative. The narrative is is the person that looks at it, brings their own experience and can hopefully be emotionally moved. I think they're all, we're all quite like emotionally charged mm-hmm. painters in a way. Yeah, I think it's to, to be able to reach people without words, really. Although now we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I come from a different perspective as well because I, I'm doing poetry in spoken word. I paint pictures with words mm-hmm. yes, and that's yes, my yes. medium. Um, I'm going to ask the same question to all of you actually because it interests me why you've chosen to paint what you paint why you choose the themes you do and what it brings out of you into your work I've been painting a long time and our painting has changed over the years but what I'm painting now is what moves me to look at so I mostly paint from observation and the thing that makes me stop in my tracks is sunlight falling on something so um, I'll sometimes get off the bus or or stop early if I see light coming through a tree and dappling all over the front of someone's house or something I just everything else shuts off and I just am mesmerized by that and so last year two years ago I decided to stop being distracted by all I'm interested in so many things I have painted a million things but decided to try to stick with this sort of theme of finding the sunlight in things and trying to paint it, partly because it often, looking at that, makes my heart like swell or something, but partly because it's a challenge to do, so it's, it makes it interesting during the painting process. Like, do I have the skills to see the light and translate that to a two-dimensional surface that somebody else will see the light? Can I communicate that feeling of amazement so yeah, that's kind yes, of. Yeah, that feels like it's something. I could, oh, good. <laughs> it feels like something—a project I could. Yeah. I could. I could do that one thing for the rest of my life. Probably there's enough meat in there and enough different variations because these two paintings to me look quite different, even though they're they're both about light coming in a window into an interior space. The color palette is different. The approach is different. Yet it's still the same sort of subject matter. So I could I could do this for a long time, I think. So the journey to the light, yeah. always. <laughs> Walk towards the light. Yes. Don't go into the light. OK, Michelle, same question to you. The idea about why you paint 
what you paint? I guess for a long time, I've never really worked from observation. Um, I really admire that. I worked from photographs and I found my paintings were quite dead from that. So I made a decision to stop. I wanted the work to be slightly abstracted so that you couldn't actually read the narrative within it as if you were working from photographs you could. And that's how my work evolved. Because my influence is so immediate, the garden that I work from. Yeah, when you abstract something, you, you leave room for the viewer to bring some of what they are to it. You haven't told them exactly what this is, so they get to sort of complete it or something with part of themselves. I also do things that are a little more ambiguous than these, and it can look, two people looking at the same painting, one can say, oh, that's a, the rolling hills of a landscape, and somebody else will say, no, that's cloth across someone's lap. And it turns out there's a third thing that people mm. have said about the same painting, and they'll be surprised other people don't see the same thing. They'll think, but that's what it is. And so that abstraction lets the viewer in more than telling, you know, being mm. strict with what it is. But by observation, I didn't mean, I sometimes do it from direct observation, but I sometimes use photographs as well. But I meant not from my imagination. Mm. Um, that there's, I usually have some sort of reference. I guess I have a reference as well. It's outside my window. I should mention, I don't know whether we've got this, but that Michelle has a fancy shed in the garden. So this is the fancy shed that you, you put up yourself yeah. and is was your refuge in lockdown. Mm, definitely. And I think there's been a lot of people making sheds during lockdown if they could find the materials. Well, you've got the shed, I've got an allotment. Oh, you have an allotment? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And is that a source of inspiration for you uh, Since well? lockdown. Well, I was, we've got it a month ago and I was very worried about it because I thought, I don't have time. I need to, you know, make art. My studio is already another space. This allotment is a new space. And actually, for my mental health, is amazing. And I, and I was so worried I wouldn't have time, the time and now I always want to go there. I'm really glad you mentioned the mental health thing because I think that art has been a bit of a saviour for a lot of people. You are artists, but there are a lot of people that might have taken up art during lockdown as something that benefits mental health and it's catharsis I mean we looked at rainbows in the windows kids are doing those I think art has been quite underrated historically and I'm wondering just how that might change in the future and that might be a possible future maybe the arts art in, in its own right would be valued much more in education as well. How do you feel um, in terms of art in education, how it can be promoted as a valuable thing? Because I think there are many parents who might be saying, oh no, doing a degree in art, that's not going to get you anywhere. And what's your response to that kind of attitude? I think our government has um, stepped back from the arts so much in education that there needs to be almost, for example, TERPs and alternative, alternative resources, especially for younger people, so they can access it, so they can find that moment where they think, yes, I want to be a painter. I feel like that has gone away for a lot of the youth of today. So I think the open studios and the 
artist-led spaces um, can make a difference. Yeah, and I think that's why this show is really exciting because we, we exhibit in London and in the UK and sometimes internationally, but I think to have something here in Wortham Forest in our own community and, you know, just people that are in the park that would go and come and see it, for me, that's really valuable to be able to share the work with the, the local people, really. It's, it's something that I find really exciting. Yeah, it's nice to have a, a potential for a new audience yes. of people that might not go to galleries in central London or something, that they'll come and see the work. have 18 days in 2021 of this art trail and then it's another two years before we have the next one and I'm thinking about the the youngsters people that want to get involved after they have their they, they, they look at it and they think wow this is a possibility this is something that I would really like to investigate whether it's going into digital art or there's such a range there's such a, a range of different styles of art that are available to look at and be influenced by so how can they then access what are the best ways for them to be able to find the outlet or maybe some more formal training or tutoring is there or is it a case of just doing it going on youtube videos or i think after school clubs um someplace i think gnome house runs workshops for kids um, there's an artist, a local artist called Sharon Drew. She runs children's workshops in drawing and painting. She takes children out into the Epping Forest for sketchbook. Sharon Drew is a good uh, good art name, isn't it? <laughs> Very good. I never. Oh, thought Drew! I didn't either. That's <laughs> funny. Also, I think as an artist, you never lose your job. No. No. And you never. You never retire. You're never bored either. You have always something to do. So you don't get artist block? No. Like you can get writer's block or... Yes. I don't, but I, I know No, you can see do. doodling. <laughs> yeah, I, never, I never had a moment in lockdown where I thought I'm bored. Yes, you're never bored as an no, artist. Never. I think you always have a... It's a bigger mission you set yourself to do, or I don't know. Or it's within, it's a sort of... The excitement, you're always excited because you're discovering more about yourself and possibilities of materials and possibilities of imagery. And... The thing I most remember from when I decided to become an artist was a drawing teacher who said that his mission was to teach me how to see, how to look at things. And that changed everything for me. And I think that's why artists are often like we, it's hard to be bored. It's hard to not be doing it all the time because you look at the whole world differently. I'm always, I see everything in paintings or in potential for paintings. Everything's food for my work. Everything's. But actually, that was what was hard during lockdown. So that I feel like you cannot only feed art from art. Like you need to experience things deeply to go outside to see people. For me, I need to have a, a, sort of an exciting life outside painting to then 
find that space again mm. and feed different experience within it. And being confined was for me a little bit like yeah, because you've talked a lot about feel, about feeling something. Yeah. Mm. I guess because I'm so interested in um, the inside of a room and, yes, and yes, objects yes. and um, what objects mean to us and the spaces we live in and stuff, that sitting in my lounge was just fine. <laughs> <laughs> or in a shed or an allotment. Yeah, everyone has their own space, I think. That's, a, that's an influence. It's really interesting. I'm going to ask about using technology have you been using technology more as a result of the pandemic or has that been something that you decided that you didn't need have you like zoom yeah like zoom i know that people come from different places i can tell i can detect different accents i'm i'm thinking that perhaps you needed to have contact with family and that 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 brought open a new gallery in a way as it was a, a gallery that we have across um, a Zoom screen that you see the different faces and... Well, actually, during when the first lockdown happened, I started to do a series of works on pastel called Anxious Flowers, and I was, like, selling them through Artist Report Pledge. And so I, I decided to make one a day. What was it called again? Anxious Flowers. Anxious Flowers. Yes. And I... That gave me that task, but I didn't know very naively at the time that... You know, one day, two days, I thought it would be two weeks lockdown, and then I was, like, drawing 50. Um, but I was still making it every day, and that was very interesting to do the same task every day and to sort of really listen to how you're feeling on that day. So they were basically, yeah, pastel on paper of, like, flowers, and they were very emotional and sort of reflected the anxiety uh, that everyone, I believe, was sort of feeling at that time, and you know, about this sort of anticipatory grief or collective grief. So did you have chrysanthemums in crisis and... They were all imagined. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they were. They, they looked a bit Dark desperate. Dark daffodils. Yes, they were. They were. I mean... Anxious <laughs> anemones. <laughs> they were. Exactly. Uh, Depressed daisies. <laughs> it was pretty much that. But the technology, so I would post it every day mm. on Instagram. Yeah, so it was like a diary. Mm. So it, and it was a way to connect with people. And you've not done that before? In terms no, of the, ah, that was okay. a, new, um, a new sort of project. And I mean, we're all really active well. on Instagram. Mm. Yes. With sharing our work. Yes. But yes. Yeah, that was a new project. Yeah, I had, I had a project as well. I remember during the first lockdown that April was like the worst month, the, like the first full month of lockdown was... Um, Anxious is a really good word. That mm. um, you didn't know how long it would last. You didn't know, you were checking every hour maybe to see the, the how many people had died. It was like, really, you were uh, we were getting boxes of vegetables and bread delivered from South London and stuff. I mean, wherever we could find, it was like, so I was really fortunate that um, I signed up for a project because ArtQuest had mentioned it and it was 30 works in 30 days. So I was able to be quite distracted. I, I, I was so anxious that I m might not have been able to find solace in painting, I feel, because that one that month in particular, we had, we had started working remotely, so we were on Zoom with our jobs, and I just worked part-time, so I had my painting time as my full-time work, and I was doing little things at home. And, but this 30 works in 30 days, you had to upload 
to their website a painting every day. And so I was uploading it like five minutes to midnight. I, I like struggled to finish it. Because <laughs> very I seriously, like, these deadlines. Yeah. I, if you don't get it there by midnight, you, you've kind of failed for the day kind of thing. So oh. it became my focus that I, I can't fail. <laughs> I have to get my 30 works in. And I don't always finish a work every day normally. I will leave it to finish another day or you know, it takes a few days to finish something. So it really focused my mind and mm. I found that super useful. And then Artist Support Pledge as well. Can you do Artist Support Pledge? And this was a, a kind of lockdown fund for artists who is self-employed and not... It was, a pro it was a, um, an initiative that Matthew Burroughs started that has gone worldwide and has been a huge sensation. That you post a work on Instagram and you will sell it for 200 pounds or less. And then you pledge every time you sell five. You sell a thousand pounds worth of work, you buy someone else's work. Mm. Oh, I've seen so, that. Mm. So yeah, the, it, that's why it's a pledge, is that you... Um, pay it forward. Yeah, you pay mm -hmm. it forward and you um, you are generous with the, something that might normally cost twice that much in, in a gallery or something. So a lot of collectors uh, bought hundreds of works over yeah. the years. And I guess you're not paying the gallery fees as well if you're in lockdown. So And that's quite a fair whack, isn't it, if yeah. you're going to exhibit? Yeah, it's usually 50%. Yeah. There were often small works and that you were able to post that artists who uh, found that that was working well for them would be making a weekly trip to the post office with all their works mm. that they had sold and that was really nice. Part of your daily exercise. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Have you got anything to add to that, Michelle? Did you... Technology? Was technology related um, in lockdown? Or? I became, like every, I think a lot of artists, active on Instagram and connected with people, mm. um, participated in an artist support pledge hate Zoom, uh, avoided it as much as possible. Um, <laughs> I think Zoomed out became quite a, yeah. a popular expression very early on. I think there was an initial, oh, wow, we can do this. And then it became like, I'm spending way too much time in front of a screen. So technology didn't really impact me that much. Actually, I'm going to give a mention to... Um, an artist that she's a German artist she lives in Walthamstow her name's Alka Schmidt oh, and yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you know Alka okay so I'm going to say it because we we're not we actually swapped works during lockdown oh did you yes. so you would have seen her lockdown it was almost a, a, a line graph using with flowers mm -hmm. in the background yeah. the pandemic the first... spring yes oh, I love that series so the pandemic, so guys go and see that. I don't, do you know, that? Is it Mitre Studios she's in? It, it's off Ho Street. Yes. If you find, if you see the name in your art trail guide, Alka Schmidt, then go and see this because it's very much something where she, she really got on it. And it's, it's some amazing work, isn't it? Also nature inspired. Speaking of technology, we three plus three other artists were in a show at Terrace Gallery that was supposed to be for March. It was supposed to be from uh, March 17th, mm. but the day we hung it, we went into lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> so it was actually in Terrace Gallery for six months, locked up, 
Um, and then we had the private view in September during the period where they opened lockdown mm-hmm. for a little while. But yeah, we had our the artist in conversation with the writer curator over Zoom. It's a tool, isn't it? I yeah, think it is a tool. It's not something to rely on. It's not entertainment in itself. It was, yeah, it worked at the time, I think. Seeing art in person is a very different experience from seeing it in images on screen. Yeah, it gives you the chance to interact. And a lot of you, you've been talking about how you bring your own, when you're abstracting um, some work, that it allows the audience, the viewer, to be able to add their own interpretations and you can't do that via another medium it's got to be there in front of you i think it's true yeah and i think if we all you know use oil paint on linen or canvas in the 21st century it's because we really believe in that the power of that material and that has to be i mean technology is amazing it's a it's a good way to be known and connect with people but really we make this work to for it to be experienced in person mm. and to be you know to have a direct engagement with it and no filter in between. That's it, isn't it? I think even taking a photo you just can't appreciate textures and you know the layers of, of the work at all. And the um, scale. And the, yeah. the physicality of this. Yeah. Mm. I mean it's it's two meters high. <laughs> even the, even, even small, the dimensions, oh, the two meters, have all actually seen the same again. Everything's this size. But even smaller work and the intimacy of that and, mm. the, you know, how you bring, ask people to look closely and uh, what you ask from, from the viewer, it has to be, it has to be experienced and, in the flesh. And the the painting of in four pieces that's going to be at uh, Breaking the Clouds of Michelle's, um, is kind of each of the four pieces I found related to the human body. Like the person's going to be standing there looking at them. They're kind of the dimensions of a person. They're long and narrow. Mm. And this one has that same, you can almost walk into it because it's so big, mm. the, the, um, the on screen. Yeah, I think the two meters thing is it's going to be a dimension everybody always associates now, I think, with that, that two meters being the distance between people and oh yes we've had a lovely chat and i'd like to thank diane for her hospitality for her dark chocolate digestives and delicious coffee and now it's just the opportunity for our artists to share their social media where they can be found what they will be doing next diane Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Diane Chapelin. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this show and to see you at Wins Gallery. And I also have another exhibition with an artist called James Jessiman, a duo show at the Black Horse Lane Studios at the end of July. So you will find all the information about that on my Instagram. Julie Caves here. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, Julie underscore Caves. I think we mentioned it before, but... Michelle and I are in a show at Terrace Gallery in Leighton that's on until the 18th of July. And we hope to see you at Breaking the Clouds uh, at Wins Gallery, which is the last three days of the E17 Art Trail. And it's the same weekend as here, where we are now, uh, Black Horse Lane Studios has an open studios. It's mostly gonna be out in the forecourt, but there will be all kinds of things happening that day. We've got toxic totems outside, we were looking at. Sandy Sutton's toxic totems are out there. Barry Sykes is probably going to be doing a laughter yoga uh, (laughs) event. 
Um, Adam Hennessy is going to be drawing affordable quick portraits of people that if they want to get one. And this is all during the open studios on yeah. the, he mentioned the date again? Uh, the last two days, uh, oh, 17th, 18th, 18th of July, um, in the forecourt of Black Horse Lane Studios. Mm -hmm. And you will, you will notice in the forecourt, the toxic totems, I mean, they are... They are they are luminous, fluorescent. So you won't miss it. It's a really good way to mark the it's marking the entrance to the studios. And Michelle, um, your social media and how we can get in touch. I'm also on Instagram, Michelle underscore Fletcher. It's just one L in my name. I hope you all come to Wins Gallery to see the work and see how our work talks to each other. I'm in a show at Glyndebourne called Forces of Nature right now. It's mainly online. Um, access that via my Instagram. for joining into these podcasts we hope you've been inspired by the content and that maybe in the possible future you'll take part and make art it's hard to fly